Thank you very much, Sister Lynette and the Children's Ministry. Indeed, mothers are a blessing to us. Amen. Amen. Today is Mother's Day, and so uh, we, will, we will honor you. And after our worship service, please uh, don't be in a rush because uh, the MAP um, men of purpose, they prepared, you know, wonderful Santos food for you. And so this is your day, and so enjoy it. Uh, but before we do that, I invite you to please uh, <clears throat> rise as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God. If you are, if you're, if you are, if you worship with us this morning for the first time, I would like to welcome you. Our scripture is found in Matthew chapter 5, beginning only one verse. And it says, Samon begat Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed by Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And so may the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate Mother's Day. Indeed, Lord, as uh, this uh, song was sung by these children, indeed, mothers are a blessing to each and every one of us. They are a gift from you. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that it's mom over here. Uh, they will get closer to you, and they will continually feel your love, your grace, and mercy. I know, Lord, that being mom is not that easy. That's why I pray, Father, that they will rely on you. Uh, they can't make it on their own, but we praise you that you are there to support, guide them, and provide for everything that they need. And so, Lord, I pray that you will also uh, bless this message this morning. I pray that they will be encouraged. I know, Lord, that uh, not everyone here is perfect, but we will take a look at these uh, two women who started not right, but they became okay in your sight because of their faith in you. And so, Father, speak to us in a very personal way. Even, uh, they, even we are not mom here. Some of us are not really mom, but this message is for all of us. And so, pa Father, speak to us, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Every Mother's Day, we read the passage in Proverbs chapter 31, and we call this the virtuous woman. I will show only, I think, four verses to, for you to have an idea. This is called the virtuous woman. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies, the heart of her husband safely trust her so he will no, have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Only these four verses, if you will take a look at them, it pictures that this virtuous woman is a perfect woman, right? Uh, because look at verse 12. She does him good and not evil. Now, uh, where can you find this woman? Uh, of course, that is uh, the question in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? Now, somebody translated this in our modern uh, term and, and, of course, in our modern society, and I want to share them with you. 
And this is what this modern translation. This Wonder Woman gets up before dawn and stays busy until the early hours of the next morning. We have developed a mental image of her, and she has the look of a movie star, the domestic abilities of a master chef, the stamina of a world-class athlete, the intellect of a professor with a PhD, the tenacity of a political operative, the wisdom of a godly missionary, the sensitivity of a mother Teresa, the business sense of a Fortune 500 executive, the grace of an etiquette expert, and the spirituality of the Virgin Mary. What a lady, right? And we can only say, wow. And no wonder so many mothers, they leave church feeling down on Mother's Day. Can any of us, my question this morning is this, can any of us measure up to this standard of perfection? She is certainly a worthy goal for which to aim, but we are all in a process. Remember this, we are all in a process. And so if it is the church's intent to reach her city for Christ, then we must begin to deal with men and women where they are and not simply where each of us should be. I will ask this question. If the Lord Jesus Christ is standing here in this pulpit and preaching, what would he say during Mother's Day? Uh, I am convinced, of course, he would not simply speak or, you know, uh, read a sweet poem about being mom, I believe he will do exactly what he did when he was ministering here on earth. What did Christ do? He left the 99 and sick the one. He left the 99 and he came out to find the one individual. Of course, those 99, they're a picture of, you know, they're okay. But the one is a picture of what? Strange person. And so this morning, perhaps it is the woman today who has never born children or one who aborted her child in the past, or the mother who birthed a child and loved him so much that he that she entrusted him to someone else to raise, and wondering today what he looks like and where he lives. On this Mother's Day, I want for each and every one of us to allow our Lord to speak to each of us at the very point of our need. While the woman in Proverbs 31 is a worthy example to emulate, have you noticed that she is not among the listed in the lineage of our Lord, but two women in the passage that we just read, 
chapter 1, verse 5, in the book of Matthew, are listed there for all generation to see. But they were not listed. You see, who are these two mothers? They must be a good example or paragons of faithfulness to be in the righteous list. And we can say, not really. One is Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho. She was the madame who ran the house of ill repute in that ancient town in the Jordan Valley. The other woman or the other mother listed is Ruth, the godless Moabite. She was raised in a heathen environment worshiping pagan idols, and also God's small g. But something wonderful happened to each of these two mothers. Their experience with the living God caused them to be converted into two of the godless mothers in the Bible, and they live in, on history today, of course, and of course in heaven today. Rahab and Ruth were mothers who overcame their circumstances. Like many modern moms, they were torn between work and child care. Many moms are divorced today. Others may be remarried, and they are dealing with incredible adjustments and struggle of divided loyalties. Others live with all sorts of unspoken we call these heartaches in the home and are making the best of a very difficult situations. But I want you to notice here. Rahab is listed here, note, in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To show us that there is hope for those who have been engaged in sinful pleasures. Ruth joins her in the list to show us that there is hope for those who have been engaged in what we call societal pleasures or, or, or we call these pressures, I should say. And so both of these women are remembered forever as a virtuous woman. Let's look at them and learn from them on this Mother's Day. Number one, Rahab shows us how we can overcome sinful pleasures. Question is this, who, who is this mother named Rahab listed here in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Her story, of course, is told in the second and sixth chapters of the book of Joshua. If you will read this, it's an interesting book because here uh, she was listed and, uh, of course, the story is in this book of Joshua. And in this book, we find a lady with a reputation that was far from spotless. And we cannot even use the word blameless. She was quite popular with the men who stopped in their caravans while journeying through the oasis of the city of Jericho. Everyone knew where her house was located. If, if the local kids would point it uh, you know, they will, they will point you, and the kids probably know where her house is. 
five, listen, five of the six times she is mentioned in Scripture, the word harlot is placed alongside her name as if it were glued to her. And that's why when you hear the word uh, Rahab, what follows is the word harlot. Rahab the harlot. When her family members are listed in Joshua chapter 2, verse 13, there is no mention of a husband or children. She was a lady who was involved in a sinful pleasures. When the Israelites sent spies into her city as they were about, of course, to begin their conquest of Canaan, she took them in. Now, uh, interestingly, I want you to note this. Interestingly, she had not heard what the Israelites did or she had not heard what they had done for God during their march to the promised land nor how well trained their armies had become. And listen, but what struck this harlot's heart was that the living God had done for them. And of course, through them. She becomes a beautiful example of how one can overcome her sinful pleasures to become a godly mother. Uh, listen to her testimony in front of the Israelite spies. And this is uh, what the Bible says in Joshua chapter 2, 9 to 11. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did at the two kings of the Amorites, who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did, did there remain any courage in anyone, in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, here are, here are the words spoken by one with a repentant heart. And what is that? He is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. There is an interesting insight found a few verses earlier. In chapter 2, verse 6, it says, She took the spice up on her roof and hid them under the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. Now, the question is this. Why was there flax on this woman's roof? Uh, how many of you have seen this flax? Probably you already ate these flax seeds. But this flax, they're just like a water lily, similar to that family. And when you put them together, they, you know, it can become you know, a roof or what. And, and this uh, woman... In verse 6, she took the spice up on her roof and hid them under the stalks of flax. Why was there flax on this woman's roof? It is neatly and orderly laid out. 
Did you know that in the ancient world, flax was gathered by industrious women, dried out and used for spinning and also weaving. And, and the presence of such a large quantity of it on her roof, it may indicate well she had experienced a change of vocation. From her lot, when she put her faith in the Lord, she changed her vocation. Interestingly enough, it is said in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, it says that she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Proverbs 31, verse 13. Note that. Not only that, did this woman of Jericho repent or repented of her sins, but there is a good evidence that she placed her faith in the living God. Of course, that is listed in chapter 2, 15 to 21. When the spies went on their way with a promise to return, she was told to hang a scarlet thread out the window of her home so that if they will come back, they will spare that room. It did happen. And you know what? Uh, as I studied this, I found an interesting uh, picture of a coming Messiah, a Savior. Because here in, in 2.21, she replied, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. When Rahab said, and yes, to God of heaven, and by faith hung the scarlet cord, out her window, there is an amazing thing happened. And what is that? God in heaven, he knew about coming, of course, the coming cross of which she was unaware. The blood was shed on that cross before the foundation of the world, and God saw the cross and the salvation it is so freely offered and looked down on her faith and saved her by his own blood. And as a celebration of her faith, she hung that scarlet thread out her window so that when judgment came, the walls came tumbling down. There was one obvious part of that wall that judgment could not touch because of the scarlet thread. It is like the picture of when the Lord uh, told uh, Moses during the Passover, I want you to put the blood on every doorpost. See, so that when the angel of death will pass, it will pass over you because of that blood. You see, the same picture, it says, Scarlet thread. And that is a picture of, of course, a coming Messiah. Here is a beautiful picture of salvation. It is tucked away in the Old Testament. Now, I want for us to notice that Rahab is listed in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to show to the whole world that there is hope for anyone if we trust in the living God. The question that we need to ask again, whatever happened to her? Did she find the husband? <laughs> uh, of course, we know 
And I will say she did. She lived among the Israelites and fell in love with a prince by the name of Salmon. I don't know how do you, some, some people they pronounce it Salmon, you know. <laughs> but that's, that's not the fish that we eat, okay. <laughs> this is a prince, prince by the name of Salmon. <laughs> God blessed their union with a son whose name was Boaz. Who became the kinsman redeemer. Now, this former harlot of Jericho became the mother of Boaz, the lord of the harvest, who became the husband of Ruth. Okay? Now, look at Rahab. She is remembered today on this Mother's Day to remind us that there is hope for those who may have once lived a sinful pleasures or various types. Now, if you're sitting here thinking about yourself, you're not worthy. There's hope. Because this Rahab, former harlot, when she put her faith and trust in the Lord, she was transformed. There is always hope, my dear friends and brothers in the Lord. Whether you are a mother, whether you are a father, whether you are a young adult, young people, there is hope in the Lord. Amen. And today, she lives on in history and in heaven as a good and godly mother who imparted the same qualities of her own family. We go to the second woman by the name of Ruth. And Ruth shows us how we can overcome societal pressures. Who is this other mother listed in Matthew chapter 5 in the lineage of Jesus Christ? Her name, of course, is Ruth. She was a Moabitess. Her obstacle was not that of sinful pleasures, but of societal pressures. She was raised in a godless home. Not, of course, unlike many in the Western world today, she was raised in a pagan, anti-God culture. All the influences of her childhood were against her coming to know the living Lord. And so she was a member of a race that actually began in incest. Do you know the story? Have you read the story? Of course, it is found in, in the book of Genesis chapter 19, verse 13 and 37. The story is like this. The dad, Lot, slept with her own daughter. You remember Sodoma and Gomorrah? The story of Sodoma and Gomorrah? When, when the Lord judged these, these two cities, Sodoma and Gomorrah? Uh, Lot was Abraham's nephew. And they lived, uh, the story of course is uh, <clears throat> Abraham and the nephew they were wandering and living together, but there was a time in which uh, they quarreled because of you know, their property. And, and Abraham told uh, his nephew, hey, for us not to fight, I want you to, to choose a place or a city that you want to live. If you go to the east, I will go to the west. 
If you go to the north, I will go to the south. Well, the point here is this, so that we will not have conflict. But Lot has chosen the city of Sodoma and Gomorrah because it was very, you know, it has a green pasture, the water, it was so progressive. But to make the long story short, these two cities became wicked. And so God was so upset with this city. And this city, they did not repent. It, and so God judged them. But before God, you know, judged this city, he told them to leave the city, Lot and the wife. And so they left together with the family. But they were given an instruction, don't look back. While I am, you know, uh, sending some uh, rain, a fire, or, or, you know, brimstone and fire, do not look back. But Lot's wife, what happened? <laughs> he looked, she looked back and she became what? A pillar of salt. And so, Lot... To make, again, the long story short. Slept with his own daughter and she bore a son by the name of? Bible quiz. <laughs> when, 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 when he slept with, uh, you know, his daughters, he bore a son or they bore a son by the name of Moab. Moab. Okay, <laughs> now the Moabites, the Moabites, when their community grew up, the Moabites did not worship the Lord God. They worshiped the pagan god. The name is Chemosh. They offered human sacrifices to him, and they were a degenerate people who resorted to all types of licentious behavior. Notice that of all the strongholds, the religion of our childhood is the most difficult to break. That's why probably some of you, when you became a Christian, somebody is sharing the gospel to you, you say, uh, you know, I'm a Catholic. I was born a Catholic, and I will die a Catholic. You know, I, we understand that it's because one of the strongholds in the religion is, of course, our childhood. This is the most difficult to break. Same thing with, 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 with Ruth. It seems to have a hold over people. And so, while Satan comes against those in a sinful pleasure with accusation, he, become, he, he comes against those with a societal pressures with obligations. And so Ruth is listed here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, as a godly mother, again, to show to us all that there is hope for those with societal pressures and a sense of false obligations to the religion of childhood. The question is this, how did Ruth become an overcomer? The answer is this. She saw her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi repent and set her face back to Bethlehem and away from Moab. Who was Naomi? Naomi. <laughs> who, who was Naomi's husband? 
Elimelech. You know, it's easy to remember because there's a song that says, Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. That's Naomi's husband. And they have two child or children, two children by the name of Malon and Chilion. The question is, what happened to them? How come they are in the Moabite cities? <laughs> it's because there was a famine in Israel and in the land of Moab, there's none. There's food. Remember, this, these are Israelite people. They did not trust the Lord, especially Elimelech. He plucked his family and went to Moab. And you know what happened to them in Moab? This is not God's will for them to move in Moab. God's will for them is to trust in the Lord because the Lord said, I gave you Canaan. I gave you that city. When I said, I gave that, I will provide for your needs. Even though you are experiencing family in the land, I will still be with you. I will care for you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. But Elimelech did not trust the Lord. He went to Moab. What happened? He died together with his two sons. Two sons married Ruth and also Orpah. Orpa. You know what? Um, one of these days, uh, we, we, we will do Bible quiz. <laughs> and so, she saw her mother-in-law Naomi repent and set her face back to Bethlehem away from Moab. And so Ruth began to cling to her with these words. And this is the words. Entreat me. Go back. Entreat me. Not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be what? Buried. Now, entreat me not. Because as Naomi realized, she's now a widow. She could not take good care of Ruth and, and Orpah. She said, I will go back. But the good thing is, Ruth said, don't send me away. I will go with you. And that's why she said this one. But the other one, she went back to Moab, Orpah. Now, if you want to, to witness an Old Testament conversion, it is this one. First thing that we need to note is this. In these verses, Ruth found a new determination. She found a new determination. And treat me not to leave you. She was determined to stay with the mother-in-law. And treat me not. This is a determination on her part. I want to go back. I don't want to go back to my city where I grew up. I want to be with you. All influences were against her, and the religion of her childhood was against her. Orpah's example, if you will read this story, she kissed Naomi and went back to her people 
and her gods, small g. And of course, that was against Ruth. So Naomi's insistence that she stay in Moab was against her as well. But faith, remember this, listen. Faith brought a new determination in Ruth. Her faith, her newfound faith, brought determination in Ruth. Not only Ruth found a new determination, but Ruth found a new direction. And she said, wherever you go, I will go. She was saying that she would trust the Lord and Naomi for her basic need. Not only, uh, of course, a new direction, but also Ruth found a new dependence. Wherever you lads, I will lads. She was saying that she would trust the Lord and Naomi for her basic needs. And number four, Ruth found a new desire. And what is that new desire? Your people shall be my people. Ruth knew that if she took the God of the Bible to be her God, she then would take his people as hers also. And so it did not take, you know, long as, 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 a, new believer, as a new believer to understand that if we truly are going to go God's way, then uh, we have a company of people. That's why uh, when you put your faith and trust in the Lord, when we repent of our sins, when we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord into our hearts, you have a new family. And this is what happened to to Ruth. And Ruth found a new desire. Your people shall be my people. And also Ruth found a new devotion. And what is that devotion? Your God shall be why what? My God. See, the interesting thing about this is uh, that all she knew of Naomi's God was a God of suffering. And also a God of sorrow. Why? Why we concluded in that kind of thinking. It's because when, when, you know, she joined the family, and the, you know, Naomi's husband died. Her husband died. And also Orpah's uh, husband died. And so, in her mind, what kind of God is this? But of course, when you put your faith and, and when you trust in the Lord, you know, our direction will change or our devotion will change. You see, your God shall be my God. And Naomi's husband had died. Her two sons had died. And her heart was filled with what? With, with grief. But Ruth watched Naomi and knew her. And her living testimony brought it a new devotion to Ruth. Number six. Ruth found a new dedication. Wherever you die, I will die. The Ruth was saying, this is for life. This is what we call total commitment. Okay? This is a life decision. I'm not coming back if things do not work out just the way I think they should be. Whether they will work out or not, I will stay with you. I will die with you. And she said, wherever you die, I will die. Isn't it wonderful to hear Christians say that coming from their mouth? Talking about God's commitment. Hey, remember this. She grew up in a family worshiping false God. 
But when she came to know the true and living God, you will note her commitment. I do believe that when we believers in the Lord came to know the real and true God, when it comes to our commitment, our commitment will be like Ruth. A total 100 commitment. I will not go back and forth. I will not go back and forth. Many Christians today are like that. You know, I have a problem, I will back out. I don't have a problem, I will move on. No, no, no. Whether you have problem or not, you still stay committed in the Lord. Amen. And so this is Ruth. Wherever you die, I will die. This is for life. And this is a life decision. I am not coming back if things do not work out here in Israel. I will stay with you. A new dedication. Finally, Ruth found a new destiny. Where you are buried, I will be buried. I believe Ruth was saying here that not even death will separate us. Not even death will separate us. The question again that we need to ask is this. What happened to this formerly godless Moabitess woman? Did she find a husband? Uh, I will say she did. Did she become a godly mother? Uh, Matthew chapter 5 tells us the story. She returned to Bethlehem with Naomi. She married Boaz, the lord of the harvest. You remember Boaz? <laughs> he was the son of who? Someone married? Rehab. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, he was the son of Rehab, and Boaz and Ruth had a son whose name was Obed. And Obed, who had a son name was Jesse, who had a son whose name was David. Okay. Now, have you noticed that I don't know, if, if you read all these things and you're just in your quiet time, probably you're saying, probably you're saying, how come, how come Matthew listed all these names that I don't really know? But you know, you will appreciate the Bible. You will appreciate the Bible if you read the Old Testament. Uh, because uh, the writer of Matthew, of course, Matthew himself, he did not just pen all these things for us just to read and be bored. As many times you don't know, who's Obed? How come that name is Ampangit na Obed? Uh, all those names, Boaz, okay? Uh, but when you dig deeper into them, just like what we're doing today, you will appreciate the beauty of the scripture. <laughs> you, you will enjoy listening to sermons. I'm not... Of course, not only enjoy, but being blessed by the Word of God. Amen. That's why I encourage you to, you know, read the book, read the Bible. This is our manual. Uh, don't, don't, 
Don't read other books yet. Read the Bible. Uh, and so, let's take a look at this. Yes, King David, the shepherd, the psalmist, the king, and we are sure this, of course, this trust in the living God was transferred to her grandson. Why? Because King David, he penned in Psalms 37, verse 25, and this is what the Bible says. I have been young, and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, what? Begging bread. He passed along his, you know, wisdom and knowledge about who God is. And that's why King David said, I have been young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. This is his testimony. David's testimony. You see, no more fitting tribute has ever been paid to a wife than when Ruth's husband said. And this is what, what she said. All the people of my town know that you are a what? A virtuous woman. <laughs> Ruth chapter 3 verse 11. Look at Ruth. Look at Ruth. She stands there in the lineage. I want to emphasize Lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of us probably will question Matthew. Hey, Matthew, how come you listed those sinners? Those two, you know, the one is a, is a harlot. The other one, he, she worships she worship other God. Oh, remember this. Our message today is also about the grace of God. Probably some of us, it is impossible for them to be saved. Probably you're thinking right now that when you think about an individual who do not do the right thing, they only do bad things, probably you're thinking, oh, they will not be saved. You are wrong. Because the Bible declares, for God, nothing is impossible. It is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, that's our mentality. But with God, nothing is impossible. You see, a harlot and an, you know, a, an individual who worship other God, false God, they became a virtuous woman. Grace, grace, Amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was not common in the ancient world. It was not common to list women in a genealogy tree. It was not common. You see, in fact, in the entire listing of those in the line of Jesus that consumes most of the initial chapter of the New Testament? Did you know? Only four of them, four are mentioned. Listen very carefully. Four are mentioned, and one might think, probably you're thinking, they must have been some kind of virtuous woman or women. But as we look closer, it reveals an interesting truth. I will share them with you. You see, 
Tamar or Tamar. Whatever your pronunciation. In Filipino, we pronounce it Tamar. <laughs> Tamar. <laughs> Did you know that she dressed a prostitute? Seduced her own father-in-law and had an illegitimate baby. Rahab, we of course study that one. The harlot. Ruth, the Moabitess. But Siva, she is the one who lived in adultery with who? King David. I want you to know all these individuals, even King David. No one is perfect. But Siva, Solomon's mom. Uh, you know why she was called Bathsheba? Because one night she was uh, taking a bath, and David said, Bath! Sheba? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that's how it started. But anyway, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, King David, they are all listed in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, don't, don't misconstrue our sermon today. The thing that they did, the thing that they need, is not pleasing and right in the sight of God. Okay? But they found grace in the loving God when they put their faith and trust in the Lord. What do you suppose our Lord is trying to tell us on this Mother's Day? I think He's remembering or reminding us all that if anyone be in Christ, He is a new creation. All things are past, and lo, we become new. Amen. Oh, yes, we are all sinners, but we can become new. If we put our faith and trust in the Lord. Amen. All moms, probably you have passed. Forget about them. The message today is for you to take the step of Rahab and Ruth. You can be an overcomer just like them. And when you overcame, huh? I congratulate you. You are one of the virtuous women. You become a virtuous woman not because of your own goodness. You become a virtuous woman because of the goodness of the Lord that is imputed in you. Amen. That's why you need the Lord. If you are here this morning, you did not yet put your faith totally, your commitment to the Lord, whether you are husband, whether you are wife, whether you are young people, whether children who are here. The message today is this. We need the Lord. All of us need the Lord. You cannot change yourself. I cannot change mine. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why not invite Christ into your heart? He's calling you. Every one of us, God is calling us, inviting you to have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are a lot of passages in the Scripture that encourage us to accept what God is offering to each and every one of us. I want you to bow down your heads this morning.
Remember this morning that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the good news of hope for any and all on this special occasion. I want you to pray silently. If you are already a believer in the Lord, why not pray and ask God to continually help you grow and be more committed unto Him. If you are not yet in the Lord, invite Christ into your heart. Say yes to Him. Because He Himself says that whoever comes to me, I will accept them and I will not turn them away. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful morning. Thank you, Lord, for the good news that there is always hope. Lord, no one is perfect, and yet you reach out by your grace. And for that, Father, we are so grateful and thankful. Lord, probably there is an individual here who, who wishes to come to you. Oh Lord, I pray that you will speak to them in a very personal way. Lord, help them realize that they are sinners in need of repentance. And so Lord, move into their hearts. Work into their hearts. And thank you that we can again honor our mothers this morning. And I pray that this one will be a glorifying one to you. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.